Hello everyone. Hopefully you're having and or had a wonderful day today. If you're new here, my name is Drew. It's good to meet you. And this is Beyond the Garment with me, Drew Joyner, <laughs> obviously. For today's episode, we're continuing with the interview series that I'm currently conducting, talking to different creatives, whether they be content creators, artists, fashion designers, etc., etc. And this week's guest is none other than Nolan Daniel White. Nolan is one of the few creators that I've had the opportunity to connect with and talk to in person. I met him while I was was in Toronto last September. I believe it was September. Yeah, September. And he was a fantastic dude to meet. He has this kind of like Canadian, you know how Canadians are known to be really polite and kind and things like that. He was exactly that. He was a super dope dude. Um, obviously cares a lot about fashion, cares a lot about what he's doing. And I invited him on the podcast to talk about his journey in content creation. In addition, just his life and the things he's been through and what kind of drives him forward the things he pulls from what are his references make sure to give us a five-star review on apple or spotify i would appreciate it immensely let's dive into the live episode how do i even describe today's guest he creates brilliant content in and around the world of menswear fashion and lifestyle he is one of the most fly individuals in montreal He's the type of person you root for. He is Nolan Daniel White. Nolan, talk to me, man. How are you doing today? <laughs> oh, I'm I'm after that intro, much better. Um, I need <laughs> I need to record that, make that my voicemail. Um, <laughs> uh, we we got to record it, man. Don't worry about that. The recording is set. If you need the clip, I got you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm doing you well, doing, man. man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for asking. Um, it's a sunny day here in Denver. Um, it's been nice the last couple of days, barring some snow we had beginning of the year. So everything's good, man. How about yourself? How was the weather? Then? Um, weather's pretty shit. It's been uh, it's been uh, great. Can I swear on this? I- yeah, yeah. No, don't worry about. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's been a little a little gray. Gets dark early, but you know that's what I signed up for. So we got yeah. some snow, which means uh. Hopefully ski conditions will be good soon. Yeah. Because that is partially why I moved up here. So hoping and praying that it's not like Oh, I didn't know you could France. ski up there. I didn't know you could ski in, in Montreal. Yeah, it's like Vermont. Like East it's not nearly as good as Colorado, but yeah, yeah. you know, you make do. There's not much else to do in the winter. So Yeah, yeah. Facts. Have you heard about what's happening in Europe with like the slopes over there? Oh, I've seen pictures of of like Valbizere, like world class slopes that are that have like two runs open it's crazy it's crazy i've seen those same those same pictures um it's kind of scary at the same time i think they just got their first like major snowfall i was talking to my girlfriend swiss so like her grandma and her family still lives there and they were Mm -hmm. talking about it and they were just in utter shock because like yeah hadn't snowed like it hadn't snowed like it's just the weather is crazy and i was just talking to um I don't know if you didn't know this creator, Keezy. He he lives in San Francisco and they just mm-hmm. had like insane flooding, like flooding that they Oh yeah, California before. all over. In San Francisco. Like it's been insane. So weather has been weird. That's why I asked. Mm-hmm. In Colorado, we weren't we aren't really affected, which I feel really blessed by. But I know Montreal, I've been there. I was there last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, summer is different from winter. I heard uh, the winters can be pretty bad. <laughs> That's what I know about. They're, they're pretty brutal. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's definitely like, you know, I grew up in the southernmost point of Canada. Yeah. So I was a little spoiled there. Um, you know, the winters, like you still got snow and stuff, but it's a different beast up here. Yeah. Um, 
But I mean, it's been pretty mellow so far. Most people that I talk to are like, don't like, don't think you've got it easy right now because there's still <laughs> much more to go. And yeah. it's just a long, you're like, it is, it's a good six, sometimes seven months. So, That's tough. you know, we're in, we're in it for the long haul. Yeah. Damn. Damn. Yeah. That, I can only imagine. I mean, Colorado is, I thought Colorado was bad, but it's not as bad as six, seven months. We kind of warm up pretty quickly here, or at least it's sunny like every day. It's, I mean, you can kind of see it. It's sunny as hell. Mm -hmm. So, um, but that's perfect segue, man. You started talking a little bit about your upbringing. Let's start it. Let's dive in with the first question. I want to know the Daniel White, don't, Nolan Daniel White story. I said Daniel White. That's funny. <laughs> I want to know the Nolan Daniel White story. Talk to me about kind of your upbringing and, and what it was like for you growing up as a kid. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, like like I mentioned, you know, I grew up in a, it's a place called Windsor, Ontario. It's right across the border from Detroit is how, you know, a lot of Americans might know it. Uh, so, you know, I grew up kind of going across the border a bunch. And that's where, you know, honestly, a lot of the influence for my style came from um, yeah. was, you know, just going over the border. We would go shopping in Detroit. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember like that was the first time I ever had, you know, any access to um, luxury fashion or designer was like going into the the Saks or the Neiman's or the Gucci and like gawking at you know all this stuff which was you know so unfathomably unfathomably expensive to yeah. you know a, a 12 year old kid <laughs> um and but yeah no it was good like it was you know i grew up kind of in suburbia like small ish town twenty five thousand people outside of a town or a city of two hundred fifty thousand. uh you know we biked around a lot um you know every every summer i would go for a month to camp um up in northern Ontario so that was you know something I really like cherished oh. and really influenced a lot of my my style and kind of my love for that like camp counselor you know like I, I think it's like it's different than gorp core and that like it's a bit dorkier you know it's like yeah. it's like it's like something out of like the great outdoors with like John Candy and uh um and Dan Aykroyd like it's a little <laughs> a little dorkier a little um folkier but yeah. you know I I went to you know camp up in northern ontario like the whole no light or no lights no electricity no plumbing kind of deal um oh, wow. so i really really enjoyed a lot of that part of my upbringing but the rest of it was like pretty run-of-the-mill i would say no yeah i mean i wouldn't say it's i mean you saying it's run-of-the-mill but everyone has their unique little wrinkles to yeah. their story right um yeah. so like for this camp was it like um like a boy scout kind of thing or was it like intermingled yeah. between boys and girls or that, that's pretty cool that that definitely will have an impression on your life right i mean from mm -hmm. the aesthetic of it all to like being a bit of a more outdoorsy kind of person like do you still hold some of those kind of lessons or moments with you to today absolutely yeah so it was, you know it's like a boys only um like no nonsense like been around since i think the 40s or something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. camp um so you know it was like it, it was general activities you know there's canoeing kayaking sailing bushcraft archery that so kind cool. of stuff yeah um yeah. so it was you know it was great to go for a month and like you know no electronics allowed like you weren't even i don't even think you were allowed to have a digital camera or that was the only thing you were allowed to have wow. um other than that like no ds no nintendo so you know like going up and and learning how to entertain myself and also get along with a group of you know seven other boys for a whole month and and live without my parents for a whole month starting at eight years old was like really valuable and still even though i don't get you know outside the city as much as i want to anymore i still yeah. really hold dear 
um, you know, canoeing, kayaking, like I'd really like to do a portage trip this summer, um, that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. I love that. I, I think a lot of that's one of the things I think a lot of the kids in this generation are missing out on. I don't know. I wonder if the camp is still doing its thing um, f- from the foundation of when you started or before even even before you started. I wonder if it's still doing it because now it seems like most kids, most people are so glued to their screen. They're so glued to something digital that you know, a lot of times you miss out on the character building moments that you get from just being a kid, being outside, doing those kind of things. In Colorado, we had similar things. Um, and I was always a kid who was outside too. So like, it's, it's a no brainer, but I definitely see how like, and we'll talk about Balf Park a little bit more too, how like that can kind of like manifested into your interests, your brand that you created and then like the content you make, the type of personality, your apartment, everything is just, it kind of makes a lot more sense now. So that, that, that makes sense. That's a big part of your, your upbringing in Windsor too. I have to mention we had, um, Alexandra Massey on the podcast yes. a couple <laughs> weeks ago. I, I have to mention this because it would just be wrong. I feel like, and I know one of your best buddies, um, Bono, if I'm not mistaken, Bono. Yeah, yeah, shout out Bono. Yeah, shout out Bono. <laughs> um, he and Alexandria are dating, and so when is he also from Windsor too? You guys are just all from Windsor because I yeah. know that's where she's from as well. That's super cool. Did you guys yeah, know each like other all before? Windsor locals. So I knew Bono through a friend of mine, Carson. Also, shout out Carson. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we uh we just got introduced at Carson's birthday party, and we've been we're you know it's that kind of friendship where like because of circumstance, we see each other maybe four times a year, like tops, but really like, you know, once every couple months, we'll see each other. And it's like, you know, it's like we hit it off the exact same way as if we, you know, seen each other the day before. Yeah, it's fine. And that's how it's been, you know, between me and Bono. I think I've known him like three years now. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like we, you know, lots of friends in common. Windsor's one of those cities that like is very tight knit. so, you know, like it operates like a town of 20,000 people. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I knew Bono for a little bit and then he invited me over this Christmas, um, you know, to come like over, just over to his place. He was having a little get together, holiday get together. Yeah. He's like, oh, you got to meet my new girlfriend. I'm like, I didn't even know you had a girlfriend. <laughs> um, so I go over there and he's like, yeah, like she actually, she kind of does what you do. And I'm like, in, I'm like, oh, intriguing. Like, I, I didn't know that there was anybody else from Windsor really doing this other than, you know, like the people I know. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'd seen her stuff before once he showed it to me, I just Mm. didn't know that she was from Windsor. It turns out, yeah, she went to the same high school my mom went to the same one that my great grandma went to. Um, and, and then, you know, when we were exchanging socials, I'm like, Oh, like, you know, Drew. And she's like, yeah, I was on his podcast a little bit. So I, you know, wow. for the listeners, I texted Drew. I'm like, you're not going to believe this, but guess who <laughs> I just ran into by complete happenstance. So the, the it's a really small world. That's so dope. That's so dope. And and what she does is, I mean, for Bono to lump, like it's both fashion to, for Bono to lump what Alexandria does to what we do. I feel like it's a, it's similar, but also so, so different. Like what she's doing is she's using her, hand she's using her actual skill set as a creative but also using social media as a tool where you know we use more of our kind of intellect like as a Mm -hmm. as a create as creators we know about we're we're, you know 
key opinionators or whatever you want to call us. Like we know about different things within fashion where she's actually creating something new in the world, which is really cool. Obviously you have too, but um, yeah, that that's a special moment. That's special. Cause like mm-hmm. the world is small, but, but big at the same time, it feels like, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, before we kind of move on, I think it's important to highlight how we, we first met each other too. Um, mm-hmm. and that was a special moment because, you know, so mm-hmm. let me, let me, paint this picture for the audience so nolan and i are both pretty big fans of adam apple julesi or however the fuck you say his last name um adam's libro and i'm not even i think i i didn't even know you were a fan of libro until we actually met at this particular event that libro was hosting and adam had told me he was like like drew are you coming i was like yeah i'll I'll be there we'll we'll make the flight out we'll make the trip out and we want to support you we love libro and um, basically, it was just just this dinner that uh, Libro hosted for friends and family, which was really special. Um, and Adam was like, don't 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 post it. Don't say you're coming to Toronto. I, I don't want Nolan to know. I don't want Nolan to know. <laughs> and I was like, fine, Adam, you got it. I won't I won't say anything. I'll keep it quiet. Um, and I'll surprise him when we get there. Funny enough, our flight got delayed leaving. Then it got delayed like when we landed and we were we were late right like we weren't really there on time and so we were kind of going through some like flight issues i'd never been happier to walk into a room to, to meet adam I, first time i had met him and then to tap nolan on the shoulder and be like what's up buddy and, and his reaction was like <laughs> priceless it was like oh shit this is drew like i we we had no intention of ever really meeting i knew our paths would cross at some point but that was a special moment because like being able to meet someone who you have the respect for um, and just talk with them. And we pretty much talked the entire time afterwards um, during that night. It was a cool moment for me, for sure. And uh, that's that's our story of how we how we met. <laughs> Did I miss anything? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think I think the only thing it's important to clarify when you tap me on the shoulder, I turned around. I was looking at the middle of someone's chest and then I looked up <laughs> and then it's like, oh, shit. They're, oh, shit. Drew is a D1 <laughs> basketball player. I completely forgot that. <laughs> oh, man, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah, that was that was a cool moment for sure. So Very grew up, cool. grew up in cool. Windsor, uh, went to these camps during the summer. Um, went to Detroit to kind of find in in Detroit you were window shopping a lot and, and you kind of mm-hmm. built that interest in fashion. What was what were the first moments where you're like, okay, fashion is like more than just something I want to uh, passively look at, but something I want to actively participate in. I mean, my mom always said that like you know I was very opinionated as a child and I would always want to like dress myself ever since I could. Um, so I think it's always been like innate interest of mine. Um, and growing up, you know, both my parents are pretty well-dressed people with a good sense of style. Um, and I guess I'll give my sister some credit reluctantly. Um, but we, yeah, you know, I grew up, uh, kind of interested in fashion a bit, but not too interested in, you know, all of the things behind it, the history, you know, actually getting too into it until, you know, I got into sneakers a bit, which I think is a lot of people in our generation's kind of first intro is with a particular item um, mm. rather than fashion as a whole. And and I think for a lot of people in our generation, it was, you know, the sneaker boom. Um, so, you know, I, I remember I was, I think, yeah, probably 12 years old. And um, my barber 
John, um, he always had like the craziest, craziest shoes. And he was always putting me on to stuff. And every time I would go, like we would talk about sneakers and I started getting more and more interested in them. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, and I think it's important to say like, there was the grade school obsession, which was the like, like Kobe sixes. Like it was basically, it was an incredible <laughs> moment in, in middle school fashion where you, like it was very simple. All you had to do was be the most fluorescent person in the room mm-hmm. and you had the, the best fit on. And you were Full Nike out. Elite, <laughs> top to bottom highlighter core, like that mm-hmm. Miami blue, like that, that was hitting, Um, you know, mm-hmm. the, the 360 Air Max bubble, like the, you know, foams, like all of that. I, I still, I haven't had a pair of foams yet. <laughs> Might have. To. Uh... Um, so that's kind of where it started. And then it started to get into like Jordan. So I remember finding, a pair of UNC 12s that I think was actually on sale or something at like the local sneaker shop in Windsor. And I remember like running from the sneaker shop to the barber shop, which was, you know, like a four minute walk and going up to John and showing him a picture. I'm like, yo, are these cool? Like, do I pick these up? He's like, get them. So I went <laughs> back and that was my first pair of, of Jordan. Those UNC 12s. Wow. Um, and then I was into sneakers for a little bit. And then I think, yeah, like a lot of people, it was like sneakers and then they got into streetwear and then, you know, from there, I, you know, dabbled into like the whole like 90s, 2000s archive world a bit and then kind of took a step back from that. And then, you know, I guess I, I think developed more of like a personal style. that's a little more true to myself uh, yeah. after that, you know, seven, eight year long period. Yeah, yeah, I I love that man. I I had no idea that it was like Jordan sneakers and, and Nikes for you, because I think now when I look at your personal style your personal taste it has deviated in such a way that you're right i mean if you're saying that i just hit my microphone if you're saying that it represents more so your true self it feels like that more right like um it would be funny it'd be kind of hilarious to see you wearing some jordans or some like kobe's right now like that would just i can I would, pull some pics up you can pull, I can some, pull picks up. some old pics I'll, Maybe, I'll send that's, them. A, that's a tiktok idea you probably should you probably should hop on that for yourself <laughs> sure, okay that's yeah. free game that's free game but um that's really interesting and i think you know, it makes a lot of sense. Most people, myself included, like you said, they start with a particular item because it's hard as a 12, 13, 14, even 17, 18 year old to understand understand the full scope of a particular fashion subculture or a fashion genre or fashion, the fashion industry. Like you just your your mind is focused on, you know, quadratic formulas and, and the girls yeah. in the class <laughs> and, and the things that just are more important to you, unless you're a savant at a young age, like to understand that, like and it's true totality is difficult. So Mm. I love the journey. You know what I mean? Like to hear your journey, that's so special. And the fact that you had that barber who you ran to, to like, see Mm. like, yo, is this, this is, this is it. He was like, yeah, this is it. That's cool. That's very, very cool. Um, moving right along, man, for, for your development, at what point did you start to think about how or when you could start posting or, or giving your opinion online? Because that's a total different transition from, mm-hmm. you know, liking something to then talking about it and, and having confidence t- in talking about it. For sure. Yeah. I mean, like, I think, you know, when I look back on it now, it's something that I've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those things that like, and I'm I'm sure you relate to this is like, you always just question like, are people going to listen? Am I just a complete bozo with like whack opinions? Like, do I deserve to give my opinion? Mm. Um, and like to anybody asking themselves that question right now, like you never know until 
until you try it you might be a bozo but like there are also people that make that work for themselves so like regardless give it a shot but uh, i got really inspired you know like back to you know the the sneaker era of of nolan daniel white like Mm. you know i was watching that's that's where i first started really consuming content related to fashion you know and back then it was like it was kaiso omar um like the sneaker youtubers you know like watching sneaker con videos sneaker unboxings um and that was the first time i'd watch someone make content about you know fashion or an an item of uh you know clothing um or shoes particularly um and then you know from there i also then got into like the paq guys like magnus uh you know chiron and from there that's where you know i i you know, learned a lot of brands, which I now still really enjoy. I'd learned a lot about um, how to style things about fashion in its totality. And I knew that I did, you know, I liked the idea of doing something like that. But it wasn't until, like I said, I took a bit of a break from fashion and kind of came back to it, Mm. that I built a bit of a wardrobe and I wanted to, you know, start mixing it up a bit. You know, I felt myself repeating the same outfits with the same items of clothing. Like if I felt like wearing that cardigan, I'd put on the exact same outfit every time. So I'm like, okay, I I need to switch it up and I need to hold myself accountable. So I was, you know, gave myself a little challenge in the new year of 2020 where I'm like, okay, I'm going to have a new outfit every single day and I'm going to post it. But I'm like, "Ah, I don't want to post it on Instagram because at the time I was pretty like timid on social media. Mm. I'm like, oh, I don't want people from high school to see it or whatever. Like that's embarrassing. Um, So I'm like, okay, I'll go to TikTok. Nobody's going to find me on TikTok, Um, which was true up until it really wasn't. Um, So for that month, I started doing that. And then people started to ask me, you know, about where I got something or if I had any recommendations or what my favorite shops were. And it, it kind of, made me realize that like oh i guess my my opinions are kind of valid you know um or maybe maybe people do want to hear the thought behind my taste or you know maybe they need help like i needed help when i started watching magnus and paq and chiron and and all that you know yeah yeah Um, and it just made me realize like yeah anybody can do it definitely and what's the Oh my gosh! Can I talk? <laughs> What's the decision behind um, TikTok versus YouTube? All of the creators you just mentioned um, originated on, on on YouTube, and they they created content in the space that they did because TikTok didn't exist, right? And and now TikTok is this total different style of talking about fashion. Um, mm-hmm. What what led you to go that route versus YouTube or I mean, it makes sense. You explained why not Instagram because of the, the people you knew, but like why, why TikTok over YouTube? I mean, for me, it was, you know, I think there's a couple of things. One, like the learning curve is high and I know myself, you know, like mm. I, I need, oftentimes I'll pick up a hobby, um, you know, cause I'm like ADHD as shit. I'll pick up, you know, something or set my mind to something. And if there's not like some kind of immediate gratification, I really have to put my nose to the grindstone to stick with it. Yeah. So with YouTube, like I'd edited videos before in the past for school projects, I'd film stuff and I'd heard, you know, people on YouTube repeatedly talk about how this is like a big commitment. Like even if you want to put out one video a week, you're probably spending like 10 to 14 hours on that video. And I knew myself, especially, you know, while being a full-time student at the time. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that off the bat. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was one part of it. Another part was like, 
YouTube had been so well established at that point that, you know, it wasn't and still isn't really, except for on shorts, pushing new creators, um, you know, to the same degree that TikTok was, especially at the time, um, you know, YouTube already had a giant user base, so it didn't really need to, you know, push new creators onto the onto the main page like it would have 10 years ago. Yep. Um, so I kind of looked at TikTok and I'd been on it for a little while and I was observing it. And I kind of thought to myself, like, damn, if you started on YouTube between 2005 and 2010 and you just stuck with it and you kept consistently making good content and kept improving and and built your community, like you are set right now. Mm. Like for the people that did stick it out, there are, you know, like a lot of them are doing really well. And it was because they had the support from the platform and like, the, you know, they were big fish in a small pond, whereas now it's the opposite. So I looked at TikTok and I'm like, okay, they're still promoting new creators. They're still pushing those people out. Um, and, you know, this, that seemed like kind of a good time to hop on the bandwagon. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just easier to make content plain and simple. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And when did you, what year exactly did you start on TikTok? 2020 it was like january 20 so january we're at like two years almost almost two okay so with that now that you've been on the platform for a little over sorry, two 2021. years 2021 2021 yeah i was about to say yeah. math is math nolan yeah <laughs> <laughs> fashion is fashion math says 2020 was three years ago <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> would you say that the opportunity that you're speaking about, because I agree 100%. I started in 2021 as well. I started um, in May or April of 2021. So it's about to be th- two, almost two and a half years for me. Um, and for me, I felt like the opportunity was ripe. You know what I mean? Like there's so many different creators who are making a name for themselves on TikTok. Um, you have, who's the singer? Who's the singer I'm thinking about who like blew up on TikTok? There's tons, right? There's tons of people who yeah. freaking blew so up on TikTok. So many who have made their whole. Yeah, there's so many. Like Olivia Rodrigo. Or Olivia like, Rodrigo is one. Um, I'm thinking Dom of, Valley from Dom Valley, Lil Nas. Yeah. All the people who've blown up, yeah. and that's just music. And then you have, you know, to wisdom and, and all the different other creators mm-hmm. in fashion who've blown up. Do you still think that the opportunity is ripe, as ripe as it was in 2021, or do you feel a saturation in TikTok now more, or? Kind of talk to me about those thoughts if you have any. Yeah, I think I think there is. It's not as easy as it used to be, for sure, point blank. Mm. Um, but I think, I mean, like, there's proof that that is still possible. Uh, like, for example, a guy who I've known since before he started posting on TikTok, and he's a, a Montreal local and a brand owner. Um, his name's Will Lazary. You might have seen some of his videos, but he'll a lot of what he does is like, here's where Stussy manufactures their stuff. Um, yes. And, yep. You know, he's got his own brand. You know, he knows a lot about manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's managed to blow up. And like, I, I don't know what he's at on TikTok, but it's like he went, you know, to like, he grew faster than I did in the first, you know, two months that he's been doing this. Yeah. He grew faster than I did, you know, two years ago. And now on Instagram, I think he's like at like 30K or something like that. And he was yeah. at like one and a half K again, a month and a half ago, like reels is pushing content a lot now. So again, it's not as easy as it used to be. Um, but you still definitely can. Definitely. Definitely. It's, it's so interesting. Every moment, every, you know, every, um, I guess moment for lack of better words has its gold rush moment. And mm-hmm. if you can capitalize on that, you know, you can really benefit 
mightily off of that moment. Not to say that it's not possible for you, but it's it's a uh, it's just so fascinating to look back on some of these things. For mm-hmm. you, Nolan, um, maybe there's someone who is listening right now and they're like, "Who who is this guy? How would you mm-hmm. describe the kind of content that you're making?" Because I know you from the content standpoint. I know you have other things you're also working on as well. You have a, a, a personal life, like like we all do, that you're constantly dealing with. But like from a content standpoint, how would you describe the type of videos you make on TikTok specifically? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, like I focus on three kind of main categories of of personal interests, which have, you know, I just kind of reflect online, which is, uh, you know, fashion, um, watches and interior design primarily. And then I'll also kind of dabble a bit in like fragrance and, uh, you know, self-care, skincare, stuff like that, which I see as being kind of adjacent to fashion, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, like a lot of fashion companies make fragrance, blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, I would say, you know, for generally across the board, I'd say it falls into the buckets of one being like informational, you know, my big thing is, is recommendations, um, you know, gift guides or just lists of, you know, stuff that I mess with, um, brands I like, small brands. My general goal is I always want to, you know, I, I always imagine like if I were myself, you know, five years ago, first getting into, or, you know, I guess seven years ago now, first getting into fashion, like, what were the brands I didn't know of that I wish I did? What were the items of clothing? What were the pieces of style advice? Yeah. Um, and also for even for myself now that like someone who's been into fashion is also still going to, you know, like those recommendations, you know, I try and make it make it widely applicable um, and then also offer like a pretty good sized uh, or a, a wide range of of prices that are, you know, accessible without, you know, diminishing on the quality of the clothing too heavily because Obviously, there's a certain point where like you can't make pants for twenty dollars and then be good, but you know yeah. that's how it is. <laughs> yeah, no, I a hundred percent. I totally get you. So I would, I I agree a thousand percent. You're like a you're like one of the internet's best fashion curators, right? You you cure you. you curate um, knowledge, products, um, design features, interior design, and and at the same time you do it in such a like a a clean and beautiful way, easily to understand way that I think that's why you're so successful at what you do. And like a lot of people obviously are a big fan of what you do because you are able to give them different products to give them different ideas for, for their living spaces that they just haven't seen before. Right. And I think that's really cool because um, like you mentioned, you know, in the, in the YouTube era, when you're a kid, when you're 12, 13, 14, 15, looking at Kais Omar or looking at Kyron, rock talk about supreme or tire or kais talk about yeezys or something like that like mm-hmm. it's like oh my god like i want these things so so bad but i yeah. think what a lot of the new creators like yourself are doing and, and others is that you know these are products that are interesting and cool right you don't need them they're cool mm-hmm. obviously they'll improve your life in one way or another there's a functional value of them um but like don't get caught up so quickly in the i need i need i need and i feel like mm-hmm. that's what i feel from coming from from your content right like when you give recommendations like this holiday season the gift guides were just they were popping off i was looking at, i was like these Thank these you, are man. fantastic <laughs> they were good things for me too like the, the the guides were just unbelievable um and i i was like damn like this this kid is he does a really good job of, of finding really interesting things um with that being said you know moving forward do you ever worry about you know you you like the products you like you you like suggesting the items you like suggesting do you ever worry about um 
essentially running out of things to recommend or running out of gifts or running out of, of mm. something to, to give to the audience for the sake of content? Um, you know, it's something I always consider, right? Because like, I never want to end up at the point where I'm putting something where I'm not being true to myself and to my audience, where I'm putting something in for the sake of putting it in rather than, um, you know, doing it because I love it. And I think, like you said, it's going to bring people, you know, utility and joy from a stylistic point of view, from an expression, expressive point of view, and just from a a function point Mm. of view. Um, so, you know, it's, it's something that like I've thought of before, but I really do think like, I'm still constantly discovering new things and I'm still overwhelmed by the amount of stuff I come across from small brands, you know, from cool brands that maybe even like haven't made it to North America as much, or they're at like one stockist and I come across them, like there's an overwhelming amount of good stuff out there. And that's also a big reason or a a big thing I try and employ in my content is like, I, I want things to be accessible, but also like in the fashion world in general, in a lot of publications, like people talk about the same shit a lot. And that was something I was hoping to do was like give people, yeah, I'm going to give someone a recommendation that they can maybe go find at the mall, but also like something that's a bit more more obscure that they would have never come across, Mm. you know, had it not come across their for you page, or maybe they would have come across it 10 years later. Yeah. Um, So I I don't worry about it as much because yeah, I still, I more worry about like being able to communicate it all. Like I worry about keeping track of all the cool brands I've discovered in the past couple months because I'm like, shit, I don't want to forget that because like that's so sick and I want to put other people onto it Yeah. because I would want, I want that brand to get some support and I want people to be able to, you know, enjoy those products that are really special. A thousand percent. That's why I also, I mean, that's why it's it's so fun to follow you. And and a couple of questions that came up that while you were kind of explaining that the first one is why do you think publications and, and people on social media or just people in general talk about the same things over and over and over and over again. Where do you think that comes from? Cause I've, I think about that myself quite often that the reason why I started making on TikTok is because, you know, I was hearing about all the good TikTok could do for a brand or for an individual creator who wants to get to that next level. And then when I looked at fashion content on TikTok, it was, you know, Nike dunks, Jordan ones, the Jordan one obsidian. It was, it was a, it was, you would see four of the same videos four people giving the same recommendations. Um, and it would kind of, it would kind of like irk me after a while. Right. And so I decided Mm -hmm. to start making my own underrated sneaker recommendation series, but back to the question. Love that series. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you. Back to the question. Um, yeah. Why do you think people talk about the same things over and over year after year after year after year? I think a couple of things are like one, it works like at the end of the day, like fashion is still a niche, you know, like for the majority of people, they don't want to put a lot of thought to this, um, which is like, this is probably not going to apply to anybody listening right now, but I'm sure they know people in their life where like, yeah. I think especially with men, like I think a lot of men think about fashion as a project. It's a box to be ticked. It's not an iterative, ever changing, ever flowing concept. I like, they, like if, if you said to them, and it's funny because like this is, you know, I, I've I've heard um, um, Style Turner talk about it a bit where like, especially with his clientele, which is, you know, like the tech bro, finance bro, you know, a lot of money, not a lot of swag kind of thing <laughs> where they come to him and they're like, look, I've got all the fucking money in the world. Like, just make me something. 
if yeah. all guys could do that, I would say like 90% of men would want to do that. If they could just say like, if they had the resources, they would just have a perfect wardrobe and they're set and they're yeah. done. So I think for a lot of people, like they want stuff that's easy. They don't want something that is really pushing themselves pushing them out of their comfort zone or yeah. you know for a lot of people um they've been trained to consume a certain way because of fast fashion and you know they don't really understand that there are you know certain pieces of clothing that um you know will last them 10 times longer look a lot better age better um you know for a bit of a premium which again like this the bar isn't really that high relative to what zara charges for a lot of stuff yeah, uh, yeah. i think there's a lot of reasons for it from like a like more traditional fashion media it could come from from the fact that like there are quotas there are a certain amount of articles that a lot of publications want to have out per week and if you're you know working on a big story and you're rushing to get some listicle or recommendation video out or, or recommendation article out like yeah. you might just you know you, you it's low-hanging fruit you pull from what you have um I also I mean, think yeah, that yeah, for sure. I also think you know, with with the publications and some of the bigger fashion conglomerates, I think you know, money and advertising also plays a role as well. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of a lot of brands pay top dollar to be in your face mm -hmm. often, right? And and at, and at this level, at this stage of the world, the amount of money that's being extracted from fashion labels, whether it be LVMH or or where, whatever labels that are existing in the world today, whatever conglomerates exist, they have a vested interest to make sure that you hear about them and you see them every single year. And it kind of, but it kind of creates this very fun um, arena for individuals like you and me who, you know, peer behind the the curtain and see all of the small brands that don't get showcased because the big players are saying no. We have the money. We're going to be showcasing the things that we care about the most. We're going to dictate the conversations. And so like it's kind of as a result, it's created this entire hunger and in industry for individuals like us who want to talk about Horego or, or want to talk about Manresa mm -hmm. or who, who want to talk about Libero and, and all these. And there's mm -hmm. so many others like you're so right. There's so many other brands that we don't even talk. We don't even touch on. I mean, and mm -hmm. it's it's um it's. There's, there's pros and cons to everything. That's for sure. So mm -hmm. um, what about like, because where are you at on TikTok right now? You're about to, you're about to eclipse 200,000. 190? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm getting close. Oh, buddy. Close. Man, that's going to be a big moment. That, that, that's what's up, man. That's 200,000. That's, that's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. Once um, I hit the population of Windsor, I'll be I'll be very that'll be fun. <laughs> what what is the population of Windsor? Is it two hundred k? Two fifty, I think. Two fifty. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not from Windsor, boy. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> you're too well dressed to be from Windsor. <laughs> two fifty. Once he hits two fifty, that's when you know he'll made it. Mama made it. No, on this journey, man. Since twenty twenty one, what are some of like the the biggest moments like? maybe pinch me moments mm. or like interesting, cool moments. Because I think a lot of people look at someone who makes content who has 200,000, you have 48,000 on, on Instagram or whatever you may have. And they're like, damn, they must be nice to, they must've had some moments. Have you had mm. any moments that are kind of cool? Yeah, I remember. And I want to hear yours. Um, but my first time ever getting any, any flow, getting something mm. for free. Yeah. 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 That's a for me. It was, you know, lost and yeah, you know, lost and found in Toronto. Yeah. Um, 
but they sent me like a little I I'd shouted them out as one of my favorite it was one of my first videos to ever do like five five figure um view count was a video on like Toronto brands I mess with yeah and the lost and found guys DM me were like yo let's like let us send you something and I was like geeking geeking out like I was I was like running around my house like with my roommates I'm like yo like I'm getting some for free like see <laughs> um, I was so hyped what about you though no yeah I, I love that because I'm looking at a lost and found candle that they sent me with oh, yeah. their like little dog and I, we, haven't, we haven't burned it yet yeah 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 15 year old puppy is what I call it <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um for me I would definitely have I mean I mean that you you're right I mean getting some getting something in flow or getting um a gift from from a brand is an awesome feeling like it feels like mm-hmm. it validates the fact that you know there's a mutual respect there yes um, for sure but for I think for me I would say that you know the first person who ever when I was in public I was in Denver um mm. i i was it was before i think my tiktok had really done anything my youtube channel was just growing maybe five thousand subs and i was in denver i was downtown and there was like a rockies game going on and my girlfriend and i we were we were at this bookstore because she's an author so we were like talking to this bookstore and when i stepped out the bookstore i guess when we were walking towards the bookstore bookstore a kid and his dad uh stopped me i'm like what what is this kid one he like he like taps me I'm like, he's like, are you Drew Joyner? And I was like, yeah, I'm Drew Joyner. <laughs> What's up? And he asked his dad to take a picture with me. Um, oh, no way. In Denver. It was, this is the first interaction I've ever had with anyone um, coming up to me, saying hello, whatever. First interaction, asked to take a picture. And his dad took the picture of me and this kid. And it was before, before I was known by anybody. I had maybe, like I said, under 5,000 subs on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And it was just a special moment. Like, that even that early on, my videos made an impact on someone to that level that they felt inclined to want to take a picture of me. And it was it was weird. It was bizarre. Um, like when I played Division One, like you mentioned, um, we used to host these summer camps and the kids would like want autographs and stuff like that. So that was cool, too. But like this was like a different level because like it wasn't mm-hmm. for basketball. It wasn't for anything. It wasn't for anything I could have expected when I was 10 years old to happen. And when it happened, mm-hmm. it was it was special. It was special for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember mine was in. Uh, I was in Vancouver. It was the summer. I'd probably been doing TikTok for six months at that point. Mm. Um, but again, I was in Windsor at the time, so like, you know, I knew nobody was going to recognize me. Um, and 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 it was also like around the pandemic, so like I wasn't really going outside much. So this, you know, this Vancouver trip was the first time like the pandemic had chilled out a bit. Yeah. And uh, I was walking in Gastown in Vancouver and I remember seeing this guy, you know, I was walking towards, we were just walking towards each other. And yeah. I was like, oh, this guy's got kind of a cool fit on. And then he kind of like does a little double take and he's like, hey, are you Nolan? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and, there, you know, we had a little conversation. But the funny thing is, is that when I got back to Kingston, which is where I went to to college, um, I was talking to my friend uh, Kate and turns out she knows him wow yeah wow. so like and he so he's from montreal they yeah. know each other because i think you know her sister lives in montreal and she met him while they were visiting or whatever yeah and then he recognized me and then i think he recognized me on one of her stories or something like that because we were just like hanging out together mm. and like again super small world like across the continent 
That's there was crazy. that connection, which was crazy. Oh, and another one, which I still, I always tell this one to Mark because I, <laughs> he finds it hilarious. Because I was like, <laughs> I was a Mark Budelier fan. Like I remember DMing <laughs> Mark and like not getting a message back. That's right, Mark. I'm calling you out for that. Yo, Mark, what's up and with that, bro? My DM. Um, but I, <laughs> I'd message uh, Mark or something like that. But I started doing, you know, TikTok or whatever, and then he did a like five creators, like five up and coming creators. And I remember specifically put me first and he called me criminally underrated. Mm. And I was like, fanboying the fuck mm. out. That <laughs> and it was, it was, it did a lot for my channel too. Like that got yeah. me from like two to 5,000 followers or something like that. Damn. So that was another, another big one where I was just beaming. Damn. Shout out to Mark. Mark is a good guy. I talk to Mark, to Mark every now and again. Um, and I want to meet, I haven't met him in person either, but I would love to meet him in person. I, I think he's going to try to move to New York if he can. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you know, it's so funny. There's a lot of moments as a creator, um, when you put yourself out there online, there are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of moments where you're like, why am I doing this? The hate comments or the, or the, the judgment or whatever it may be. But then on the flip side, there are these moments that feel really cool. Like they feel really special. I, I mean, I'll speak one more when we met. We were at uh, Adam's dinner for the Libro dinner. And I can't remember the name of the photographer. I follow him on Instagram, but he took a couple pictures of us. Um, and I remember him specifically saying, uh, like kind of being a little bit excited, like that we were both there. And he was like two legends. He's like, I'm taking photos of two legends right now. And like, that is like crazy to me um, to hear someone call me. I don't know about you, a legend. Like, I just feel like being from Denver and the things I've gone through, like I would never be considered a legend in any respect. I mean, maybe a local hero for basketball or locally known or whatever it may be, but like to go to Toronto, a whole different city in a, in a different country for me and like hear that is just, it's powerful. Um, and it's what's available to anyone. I think honestly, if, if they commit themselves to whatever craft or, or creativity that they commit themselves to and they apply themselves over and over and over again, especially in the modern age. So it's, it's mm-hmm. cool moments like that for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Now for you, Nolan, for the for the year, what are we how are we doing on time? I feel like we're about an hour or something in. Um Yeah, we're doing good. We're good. For the year, I, I know that boy, how, how do I want to ask this? I know that you also are you've been working um a job outside of TikTok for some time now. You've spoken on it a little bit here and there. Um but for TikTok and for your content in 2023, do you have any particular goals? or things that you're trying to accomplish or reaching for um, besides eclipsing Windsor and, and, and followers from the population standpoint, do you have any other goals that you're kind of reaching for? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, I want to, I want to try and build in some more, you know, kind of like lifestyle content, some more, you know, personal personality content. Cause you know, living in Montreal again, I love Montreal and, you know, for the past two years I was living in cities where there wasn't really much, to do in general and especially with with what my content was mm-hmm. um so you know i've gotten to incorporate the city in a bit just doing some recommendations on like restaurants i like shops i like but i want to start really going out and you know not unlike what you do like I, I you know i find your content really inspiring for that you know your travel content and everything oh thank you in terms of you know going checking out stores talking about local restaurants um even just like meeting up with local creatives, getting them involved, you know, Kyron's vlogs are really inspiring for that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I want, 
let people get to know me a bit more um and you know interact with with my audience um more than i already more than i already am um you know i'd like to you know yeah i uh, i think like maybe expand a bit more into written content um which i've been doing here and there just launched my website actually today like a couple hours ago so looks good nolandanielwhite.com check it out uh, <laughs> it looks good but i like the i like the way that you've you. done it. it's like a very it's not like um it's very well done you know what i mean i don't know how else to say it but like it's very uniquely and well done i really I really appreciate it. I was scrolling through the just before we started, honestly. <laughs> Thanks. Um, Thank you. you. You brought up Kyron a little bit. Um, and I don't mean to just kind of gloss over what you just said. That's awesome that you okay. obviously yeah, want to, you know, bring more lifestyle to what you do. I think that's what that's kind of like it seems like there's a common pipeline. Like you're known for something and then you try you're gonna try to expand upon what you're known for and it and broaden that so that people that mm-hmm. Can really get to know you as a, as an individual as well as just like a a particular entity on a particular subject. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned Kyron. Kyron's also someone I had a chance to meet when I went to Montreal in June of 2022. Uh, it's funny we were we we're kind of floating around the same places, but um, we only crossed paths in, in Toronto. Kyron mm-hmm. is a really awesome dude. I had a chance to have dinner with him and his girlfriend Megan, and um, I think what he's been able to carve out for himself. Uh, I call him Montreal's finest because of like mm-hmm. his reputation in, in the city and just how he conducts his business. And it's cool to be able to see both of you guys connecting. I saw the podcast you guys did recently as well. Talk to me like a little bit about how it's been getting to know him. Cause he's obviously a prominent figure as well. If you watched his videos when you were younger as well, like that's pretty cool too. Is there like a mm-hmm. special feeling when it comes to that? Yeah, I mean, it was it was cool, you know, meeting him like he and I had been mutuals on Instagram and talked a bit. Uh, he gave me some advice when I was, you know, choosing where I was going to live in the city and all that. Um, and yeah, like there's definitely a mutual respect there for each other's content. But like, yeah, I'd known about him for for a long time, like, yeah, probably five years, or something like that. I'd been watching his videos. So it was really cool to, you know, similar to mark when i was first starting out like know someone as an audience member and then know them mm. as a friend mm. um and yeah you know like kyron's been been really good to me he's a great friend um you know i've gone to meet a lot of his friends who are all fantastic people great creative people um and yeah i, I really admire the way that he has really like put on for the city like he really does stand for montreal and montreal brands and montreal creatives and he's constantly using his platform to like put those people onto a bigger stage. And I think it is a really uh, underrated city when it comes to, you know, the international design community. And it's good to see people like Kyron and I, and I look up to Kyron and I, uh, you know, in, in terms of giving those people a platform and using his platform to really promote a city. And that's, you know, what I really hope to do. Um, and also just like integrate oneself within the city. Uh, and really get into the community and, um, you know, participate in in a bunch of different creative mediums. Definitely. I think you both being there can spark even more so what is going on in that city. I know it's a very, you know, has a lot of creatives in that city. We were there during Mural mm-hmm. Festival and we had a chance to see like just there are a lot of cool individuals in Montreal. Like there are a lot of For people sure. who care about fashion. There's a lot of the French influence makes people and, and, and has this kind of essence to it. That's really, really beautiful that I really enjoyed when we were there. And um, like I was saying, like bo- with both of you being there, 
essence is there and you have a lot of you know low-key brands and, and low-key creatives that are there like i only hope to see that the city will continue to blossom and to be a more recognizable city that has fashion that has culture that has design elements uh, imbued into the, the city's fabric i feel like you and cameron are going to continue to kind of bring that to light which is super dope i um, hope so yeah 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 have you i i know I know you good. Like I know that you you have a, a particular eye when it comes to your interior design. As Kyron, he's has he ever like been like, yo, Nolan, like this is I need I need some help with this or this or this. Cause I don't know how Kyron's living space is. You're more open with how, how you show yours. Um, but like have you guys ever talked about interior design and those things or not really? Yeah, a little bit. Like we've definitely got some some overlapping taste. Um uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the studio um but i know like i know oh, mix yeah. goes there a lot for mm. um like i'm sure you've seen it in her pictures They're, they've got like a, a beautiful like boucle mario yep. bellini sofa yep. um but i would definitely say like his taste is definitely cleaner than mine um you know i i was i've been sending him a couple links to uh some desks on facebook marketplace because i know he was looking for one because he and louis just moved into uh a new place a little while ago but mm. yeah he's got he's got you know good taste across the board like he and i have like different tastes but i think we both respect each other's tastes and there is definitely some overlap there so yeah like we've uh we've geeked out over a couple little interior design pieces and i'm hoping he'll do a little apartment tour once he gets the place like fully done for sure yeah i think i've seen that he is in a new spot and i would be i would i think people would love to see because it's fun to be able to kind of peer even myself i haven't really done as much but it's, mm -hmm. it's fun to be able to peer into how people design their living spaces it says a lot mm -hmm. about what they really enjoy because like you have to see it every damn day <laughs> yeah and doing what we do like you know we live in it like facts. you know it's not like we're checking in the office so yeah facts so so true have you had a chance to try the uh the bagels in, in montreal i i know mm. that it's a it's quote Orcs. unquote a big deal you know what i mean St. v and then i think fairmount or fairmount whatever it's called uh there there's uh yeah saint viator and then uh fairmont bagels that's yeah. the big rivalry i don't have a dog in that fight personally um <laughs> i i have i haven't refined refined my bagel palette enough to uh to cast my vote i don't think because they're both like you know 9.9s out of 10 you know mm -hmm. um you can't go wrong with either but absolutely i'm a i'm a bagel everyday man mm. i'm getting my vitamin be in um you know getting a smoked salmon bagel is a, a daily daily occurrence in the diet of nolan white fire fire are you cooking it for yourself a lot too nolan or are you just going out to get bagels mm. every damn day <laughs> no i'm i'm so like i'll buy my bagels and i'll make them myself um, okay because uh because yeah you know it's you can just like pick up a dozen you know they're pretty or half dozen so you know you get them fresher yeah. and yeah i'm cooking for myself pretty often um yeah, it's, you know, it's good, you know, living by myself, I can cook for, you know, a couple days worth of food at once and then just kind of live off of that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. I saw the yeah. steak video you made too. that one, that one, that steak for one looked good. And it was, it was a good video as well. You're going to do more of that kind of stuff too, you think, or what? Yeah, I think so. I mean, again, with like mixing it in with the, the kind of lifestyle stuff, like I don't want to, I'm always careful because I want to make sure I'm not spreading myself too thin. Yeah. Um, but also I feel like, you know, if I feel like if I have these interests, then there are definitely a lot of people that do have these interests. And like you said, like, even if they're not super interested in cooking, I think if I make the video well enough, yeah, then maybe someone will have some takeaway from it, you know? Yeah, 
For sure. And that's, that's the thing with TikTok as well is that, you know, as long as you make the video good, you can always weave elements of fashion and interior design into the video because yeah. it's your space. You're wearing the clothes. You don't even necessarily have to talk about the particular items, but exactly. if you show them off, you're going to have 10 people saying ID question mark ID. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there's like, there's also, you know, I think uniting principles across that I, you know, I try and apply to like everything in my life, whether it's interior design or watches or cooking yeah. is yeah. Again, that like, you know, investing in stuff that's, that's built well, built thoughtfully. So, you know, like my knife, for example, wasn't cheap, but, and I take really good care of it. Right. And that's something that people were asking about in the comments. So, you know, like, yeah. again, I think it's, you know, supporting and, and, communicating the principles i believe in like across niches and mediums like people are going to pick up on that 100 100 percent. i agree um what about some of like your favorite brands that maybe you're currently into i know you have a ton of different brands let's focus on fashion oh, i know you're into watches yeah. Yeah. i know you're into you have jewelry you have a ton of things you are what about, friendly <laughs> yeah exactly we, we could talk about this for a long 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 time i was like, gonna say <laughs> uh, don't what be afraid what? to stop me <laughs> You could just go ahead and start wherever you want to start, and uh, yeah, I'll stop you if I need to. <laughs> okay, okay. Let me pull up. I've got like a note that I keep uh, <laughs> for brands. Um, you know, I, I'm always, I always love, Smart. you know, 316. It's just like great, well made basics. Like one of those things where it's like, if I had to wear a brand for the rest of my life, they'd be up there. Mm. Uh, you know, just in terms of it's so usable. La Mer's beautiful if I could afford it. Um, our legacy love mm. finding on sale. Um, you know, um, I, I keep like MF pen is one of those ones that like I've been coming back to more regularly now. Cause I'm like, every time I would come across it every two or three months, I'm like, damn, this shit is really good. Mm. And then completely forget about it. Mm. Um, so like MF I've been pen, I've never heard of it. it. Oh, they're great. You should definitely check them out. You'd like it. Um, cool. there's, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, Paratoto, um, really cool. I think Philly-based brand. They donate twenty-five percent of proceeds to charity wow. with every collection, and they and they collaborate with a new brand every collection. Wow. Um, Monet Monte Carlo. We got Manresa, mm -hmm. Transparent Hotel, Libero. Um, you know, All Cap Studio, Eighteen East, uh, Graziano Gutierrez. There are a lot. There are a you lot. Could, you could just name it. You, <laughs> you could just go rapid fire with the machine gun. Bop, 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 bop. Different names. <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> no, I, I get you. It kind of goes back to the beginning of what we were talking about, right? There are so many brands that are doing dope things and in, in, from in the U.S. and North America to even, even parts of you know South America and Mexico to mm -hmm. uh, Europe and, and Asia I mean there's so there's so many dope creatives um and if you're listening just you can go back 13 30 or 15 seconds write a couple of those down because I I know yeah. and I can vouch for no Nolan's taste they're gonna be gonna be some fantastic brands um, also got to throw out a uh, car research I don't know if you read the the Wall Street I think it was Wall Street Journal um or Washington Post article that came out uh holy crap has that brand taken off i think it's like in the article yes yes a oh. million revenue yeah Whew. that's insane yeah shut up i, I, I did you, see the uh the headline of that article and mm -hmm. i mean it's it's happening all the time i remember there was this brand that was called unfinished legacy this dude named brema actually had him on the podcast 
he was also in the New York Times, and in 2020, his brand was the same thing. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, the growth, and I remember seeing them not having less than 10,000 like mm-hmm. followers on Instagram. Um, but yeah, yeah, man, Nolan, it's been um, it's been good to be able to talk to you for almost the last hour or so here. You, you're just as you're just as I remember. You're super kind, um, thoughtful dude, and um you definitely have a, a very bright future in front of you. And I'm going to be watching the entire way, just like everybody else, man. It, it's going to be fun to see your growth over the next year, two, three, four years. And um, yeah, I, I have one more question for you, dude, and we'll let you go get you back to that Montreal cold. What is Sounds one good. thing, <laughs> what is one thing that we would have never known about you if we, if you hadn't been on this podcast in particular? Hmm. That's a good question. This is a, this I mean, is the a camp one moment. is definitely the camp one is is one that like you know but I already talked about it so I'll see if I can come up with something else but the camp one um you know people I think I think a lot of people wouldn't expect that um you know given that you know we I'm talking about like higher end shit and that's pretty um you know I don't know. I feel like gritty is the wrong term, um, but like, you know, in the mud, getting my fingernails dirty. So yeah. Yeah. A, a lot of people don't know. I play harmonica. That's one. Um, not very well, not very well, but yeah. Cause I, you know, I, I think I mentioned the four roommates I was living with last year and the year before I uh, went mm-hmm. through the pandemic with them. God love them. Um, <laughs> it was a bit of a Lord of the Flies situation almost, but you know, we, we pulled through um, a bit like the shining and um yeah all like all of them were musicians and i couldn't play anything for shit and really talented um and they would always be jamming together especially like you know a friday night we would go out come back at three in the morning and like they're all playing instruments like you know singing along like and and it was a really good time something i really cherished from you know my university experience and i was like damn like i want to i want to take part in this but we had a bass we had you know Mm. piano all that so i'm like okay what can i add to this and Mm. they were playing a lot of like blues beatles like bob dylan neil neil young at the time so i'm like okay i'm gonna pick up the harmonica so when i went home for the pandemic uh that like the summer pandemic was um i like in in silent over four months practice the harmonica every day and then when i came back i busted it out and uh you know i've been trying to keep up with it ever since, ever <laughs> since but it's not as easy playing it by myself because when it gets dark at 3 30 in the afternoon and you're sitting in your montreal apartment all by yourself <laughs> and playing the harmonica it does feel a bit like you're in shawshank redemption uh, so <laughs> Well, now you need to get Kyron, Megs, and the whole crew. You can play yep, the harmonica. Exactly. I don't know what <laughs> instrument Kyron's going to have. I don't know, Megan, maybe guitar, bass, someone on the drums for something, yeah, or maybe yep. piano or something <laughs> like that. Have a little group jam session in honor. Blues trio. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Nolan, it's been good talking to you, bro. I, it was a pleasure to Great have you talking to you, man. Yeah. Thank and thank you again for for having me. Thank you everybody for listening. Um, and you know everybody, be sure to keep tuning in. Uh, you know to the Droop Joiner podcast. Hey, and yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Likewise, I'm really excited to see what what you keep doing. You're always inspiring to you know me and the way I make my content and what I'm making my content about. So thank you again, and I look forward to the next time we hang out. Yes, sir. We'll see you next time. <laughs>